Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this edition of For Your Game. He's back with us, the one, the only, Dr. Bob Winters. If you're interested in changing your game, you better change your mind, Dr. Bob. It's always a pleasure. Holly, you know, great to be on the show. Listen, I was um, I picked up on a uh, some commentary by Bones Mackay, who of course was Phil Nicholson's caddy over the weekend at the Waste Management. Uh, you know what an incredible tournament we watched Brooks Kepka uh, rise from his uh, knee injury uh, over the past I would say 18 months. I think he's been dealing with it, and also Jordan Spieth. You know, two uh, two players here, and especially Jordan, who's I would say been uh, in not only the you know uh, a mental slump as well as a, a game slump. But one thing in particular, Bones was talking about was on the number twelve on number twelve, the par three, which is surrounded by water at the TPC Scottsdale. Uh, Jordan appeared to hit it short. I mean, big time short, fifty feet short. And, um, you know, Bones was commenting that actually that, you know, may have looked like the caddy misclubbed him, but actually that was intentional. Um, they were making very sure to take the big number out of play because of all of the water. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting how the pros, along with their caddy, are constantly strategizing mentally about, you know, when to go for it. And when to throttle back. And I'm curious about your thoughts on that, as well as, uh, you know, just uh, the state of Jordan's game right now from a mental perspective. Well, I think this is the perfect time to talk about it. They're in Phoenix, uh, TPC, Scottsdale. Uh, This is the land of, you know, the reborn. You know, the Phoenix, you know, rises from the ashes of fire. Right. Both, both Jordan Spieth and Brooks Kepka have uh, been sort of in the shadows, if you will. And Brooks has even been talking about sort of his coming out of the dark clouds, the dark ages, and having, you know, some things, some demons he's had to deal with, with his injuries. And perhaps, you know, a lot of those injuries, you know, have come by him working out way too hard, way too much. Uh, I won't speculate on that. Uh, but I think, you know, every time I see players uh, who are doing really well, who are bulking up, trying to develop more speed, they always tend to actually you know, aggravate. And they always have a lot of knee injuries, shoulder injuries, you know, uh, injuries of their uh, latissimus dorsi. They have sort of these intercostal muscle tears. So they have a lot of those things. And I know that Brooks played, you know, great. He said he feels Great, and he actually, you know, uh, chips in on the 17th hole to get to 19, 19 under, and he, he plays really, really well. But, you know, in regards to your question, yes, the pros, they really don't hit shots helter-skelter. They really make very clear informed decisions, at least 99.9% of the time. Sometimes they kind of go off the grid a little bit. But let's not forget that Jordan Speed and his caddy, Michael Greller, uh, who's really the rudder to that ship, if you will. He's helped Jordan through a lot of choppy waters. And 
Jordan Spieth has really taken the short game, much like Tom Kite did way back in the 70s and 80s, sort of reinvented the, the attacking nature of the wedge game. And Jordan Spieth with a wedge in his hand is as dangerous as somebody with a putter in their hand from maybe 10, 15 feet. He is that that good. He has so much confidence in that wedge game. So for him to come up, you know, a few feet, a few yards short of that green, put a wedge in his hand, obviously they're going to take a big number out of play. And for him to put a wedge in his hand, you, you might as well, you know, give him an automatic up and down. I mean, Jordan Spieth, if you think about it, that last day, Holly, I think he hits in the water a couple of times on he a par did, five, including- on a par five, and, and the par four, and he gets it up and down yeah. from the edges and makes par on both of those holes. Right. Uh, and, and that's the recovery aspect of the short game. But most people look at the short game always about recovery. And Jordan Spieth puts a new bent on that. He makes the wedges and the short game much of an attack weapon in his bag. And when he's winning major championships, when he's shooting really low, everything else is firing on cylinders. But his short game and his putting has been a little bit suspect. But he's been talking about staying true to his process. He's trusting, you know, what you know his coach is telling him. And he's just really trying to actually get himself into a groove that says, okay, this is what I know works. He actually had confirmation of that on Saturday. He came close on Sunday, except he had a couple of uh, uh, unforced errors, maybe caused by anxiety and the pressure of the situation. He hasn't been there for a while. But he came through pretty good, again, with that attacking short game to put him right there. So that's that's sort of a, a little in a nutshell right there what I see. Uh, because the, the head pros uh, at your golf course, if you go in and talk to them, what's the very best way to play my home course? And they will give you some insights. But one of the great things I love about, you know, the tour players is that they know where they want to hit it. They know where they need to avoid it. And they know where, even if they put it in trouble, they can still make a good number in that area. And I remember listening to Boo Weekly uh, had a great saying, and they asked him, will you be attacking the pins? And he was talking about the Bay Hill Invitational. He said, no, those pins, a lot of times, they put those pins in really tough positions. All I'm trying to do is hit the middle of the green because they haven't moved the middle of the green the last time I looked. And I thought that was a great aiming and targeting strategy coming from Boo Weekly. Yeah, he is um, He's quite a funny guy. Let's look at the... Um Let's look at what I would say is maybe a counter-personality in terms of Brooks Kepka. I think it was uh, Paul Engsinger who said, and I just love some of his clips, on 15 when James Hahn put it in the water, and Hahn had been, you know, in the lead by about three shots, I think, uh, Azinger said, that's like throwing red meat to a lion. <laughs> Brooks saw an opening, and, uh, you know, he... He went after it. Um, well, he did. He did. And also, let's take a look at that leaderboard. You had Xander Shoffley, who was right there. Uh, Scotty Scheffler. You had a bunch of players who were hungry. I mean, it's like throwing chum in you know the Atlantic or Pacific Ocean. You're going to get a lot of sharks circling around. You know that chum, trying to get you know that that blood. And it doesn't take very long. I was a little surprised as Xander Shoffley. 
uh, yanking one left. I can't believe he was on 17. And he knew it as soon as he hit it, because he had gone from three straight birdies to put himself in position. I think he was 18 under at that time. And he was looking at going into that short par four. And as soon as he hit it, he knew that he overcooked it. Jordan Spieth did the same thing. And that's why I think Brooks Kepka actually hit way out to the right, and he had himself like about a 30, 35-yard little pitch. He actually hits a great little pitch there. You know, takes a couple of bounces, you know, and then rolls into the hole for an eagle two to get him to 19 under, and he actually pars the last hole, and everybody else sort of, you know, fell by the wayside. And, and congratulations to Brooks. I mean, here he is. You know, everybody you know, said, you know, well, where is he? Where is he? Uh, he gets well and he shows up again. And that's really what I always say. The great ones always find a way to come back. Tour pros, it can mean, you know, their whole career. But there are a lot of golfers, average Joes, who, especially as they, you know, begin to get along in age, Dr. Bob, um, you know, injuries start to happen. And I think, you know, that can get depressing for many of us golfers if a we can't swing the way we used to we can't hit it as far as we used to how do we deal with that between the ears well i'll tell you i wrote one of my first master's thesis back in 1977 hey let's go back a little bit and i talked about you know the stress and anxiety you know about you know modern golf competition and one of them was the fear of losing distance the fear of not playing the way that I used to. And I think, you know, a lot of aging, more mature golfers who should be in the prime of their golfing life because they really, you know, should be enjoying it more, have more time to uh, devote to their game, uh, they, they find themselves not playing the way they felt that they used to. So you wonder if that's an altered perspective or that's a true, you know, perceptual analysis. I'm not really sure, but, you know, it seems that everybody, you know, as they get older and they start, you know, to ache a little bit more, they start to take a little bit longer to rehab. And I've dealt with a lot of that, the psychology of rehabilitation, dealing with the injured athlete, especially golfers, because when you start talking about elbow injuries, wrist injuries, uh, you know, tendons, ligaments, strains, uh, it's those nagging little injuries. They always add up, and you're really never at 100%. Um, I, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Tom Weisskopf who said one of the things about playing professional golf is you always play sometimes a little bit tweaky, a little bit hurt. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Good it was point. Tom. I don't know if it was Tom or Bert Yancey or one of the, you know, the older, what I call the grizzled veterans, you know, been around for a long time. He said, but you just sort of learn how to kind of uh, adapt and get through it. And we call these sort of self-limiting injuries uh, in the uh, athletic, you know, rehab, you know, room with the doctors and physical trainers. A self-limiting injury is something that we always call like golfer's elbow uh, I mean, we can actually, you know, put, you know, some type of compress on it, take some ibuprofen, some uh, anti-inflammatories or whatever. But what happens, it's sort of a dull ache, it's a pain, but we can actually sort of play our way through it. We can actually, you know, wrap it and tape, you know, our elbows or whatever, or our wrists. But it seems that as we get older, we never really are at 100% 
great, healthy. And I think that's really what happens to a lot of these you know, touring professionals, Holly, because they are such well-defined thoroughbreds in the sport. I'm talking about the male professionals and the female professionals. They know their bodies really well, and they know when something is pulled, something's tight, something's not right, and it does affect them, not only physically, but psychologically, and almost even what I call emotionally and viscerally, meaning it's in their gut. They just know that something's not right. And a lot of times they really, you know, don't want to actually force the issue. So that's why a lot of times now athletes, you know, they really sort of go on the side of caution. They will actually withdraw with injury because they don't really want to actually have to try to play through an injury. And I think that's really where a lot of these athletes, you know, go because they get a little bit fearful. that They say this may be a career-threatening injury, especially when you actually hit down into a root by a tree or you feel some sort of jolt, you know, going up, you know, through your extremities up to, you know, the back of your neck. Uh, these are things to be, you know, kind of a... a what I call be on the, the lookout for if you're playing you know, as a recreational or amateur player. Um, speaking of that, we have a lot of snowbirds that come to Florida this time of year. And for many, they've certainly um, been cooped up much longer than usual, um, not only uh, due to the winter weather, but of course, uh, COVID-19 as, as well. We've been a little more fortunate here in Florida to, you know, be able to get outside and, um, you know, not have as many restrictions in terms of, uh, you know, being able to get out and play. So for some golfers who are, you know, maybe dusting off some rust, uh, what do you suggest? Well, I have so many players are now just coming down to play in college tournaments and amateur and professional tournaments. I always ask them this one thing. Are you excited to play? Are you, are you really having this enjoyment to play? Because so many players, you know, go into a tournament or they go into their first round. They have these huge expectations. And some of them are asking the questions uh, such as, will I play well? It's been a long time. What if I don't play well? What if I don't meet my expectations? What if I'm just terrible? And the biggest thing I'm trying to help players uh, of all levels, even those who are coming down and haven't played for a while, instead of actually playing in a tournament or playing a round of golf and trying to actually shoot a score, instead of playing in a tournament, why don't you view it as I'm going to play in an enjoyment I'm going to play in an enjoyment, and I'm going to play this tournament. I'm going to play in a turn-a-moment. I'm going to take each moment, each shot, and just have fun with it. And I know that's a lot easier, and a lot of people say, oh, my God, Dr. Bob, that's such pie in the sky. But if you really listen to the winners and the people who are really playing well, who are consistently great players at your club, who you actually you know admire, they're always looking like they're having fun. They're never really saying, I have to, I must, I should. And those are always the tyranny of the shoulds. So for everybody coming down, I think the first thing you want to do is, hey, let's just take a really nice deep breath of fresh air and sunshine, and let's get ourselves into an enjoyment 
rather than a tournament mindset. An enjoyment mindset says, whatever happens, I'm just damn glad to be here and playing the greatest game in the world versus, oh my, I have to compare myself with what I did last year when I was playing my very best last year. This is a whole new season. It's a whole new day. It's a whole new spring coming up. Uh, and I think that's the excitement of, you know, the spring. You know, we've got the Masters coming up right around the corner. Uh, you know, a lot of us have been cooped up. But I think the biggest thing is to have a mindset of joy versus a mindset of despair and, and maybe unmet expectations. I love that philosophy, Dr. Bob. And here to my listeners... Uh, the many programs that you offer uh, at, uh, you know, the Dr. Bob Winters Academy, at the David Ledbetter Academy, right here in Orlando. And, you know, some of these things are, uh, you know, you work with pros, but you work with average Joes. I want to make that loud and clear. And a couple of things you offer are personalized practice programs, tournament readiness programs, mental evaluation in terms of your game, and a thing you are, you know, an expert at is vision and putting assessment. Let's just take, you know, one aspect of that. We can do mental training, but when people come see me for mental training, sports psychology training, what does that entail? Well, it could be talking about you building confidence, building a solid pre-shot routine, and talking about, you know, putting. I've spent the last 50 years in putting research, and uh, I've been known as Professor Putt. We can do a vision and a putting assessment analysis. I can teach you how to use your visual system, locate your dominant eye, and also get you out of, you know, the putting yips and, you know, the putting misses and, and the fear of missing and, and really helping you fall in love, you know, with the flat stick again. So people can reach me and they can get a hold of me at the Ledbetter Golf Academy here at Champions Gate. They can also get a hold of me at my website, drbobwinters.com, drbobwinters.com. And if you do that, I mean, we can actually set up some time and, I tell you, it's great to be, meet people virtually, but when you meet people face-to-face and you can really talk to me, we can custom-tailor a mental, emotional, psychological program that will get you playing your very best golf. And that's really what, you know, I'm here for. And my best students, my best students, they come from all over the globe, all different handicaps, all different sizes and shapes, but everyone has a passion to get better, and that's, that's who I love you know, to see. And that's uh, why we love this For Your Game conversation. Dr. Bob, always learn something new every time we get to talk with you. Dr. Bob Winters, reach out to him at drbobwinters.com. Thank you so much, my friend. All right, Holly. And remember, the moment you change your mind, you do change your game.